You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, Jesus was up the whole night before healing people's diseases and helping them, casting out the demons, probably in the house of Peter's mother-in-law. And so, as they get on the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, he's tired and he falls asleep. There's a storm on the sea, a great storm, so bad that the disciples, who were fishermen and were used to the sea, they were used to the boats, they were used to the wind and the waves, but this was a great storm, such that the disciples were terribly afraid. And they thought that they were going to die. So they wake up Jesus. And he rebukes them. Why are you afraid, he says. Oh, you of little faith. And he stood up in the boat. And then he rebuked the waves. And there was, at the word of Jesus, the text says, a great calm. The sea and the wind obey the voice of Jesus. It happens instantly like this, and the disciples marvel at it, and they say, what sort of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey his voice. Stunning. Now we have again this week another miracle that preaches to us. And it preaches to us this. Jesus can calm the storm. Now I think that our instinct when we look at this text is to make the storm on the Sea of Galilee stand for or be like a metaphor for our own life's troubles. You know, we have this, the storms and difficulties of life and Jesus can calm those. And we'll get there, I suppose. But before we get there, it's good to actually think that Jesus can can calm real storms. (laughs) I was in Michigan yesterday. It was a nice, warm 41 degrees. (laughs) And the people couldn't believe it. They said that on Thursday it was negative (laughs) 18. One guy said, yeah, it was pretty cold. (laughs) And he told me, this is, I mean, you saw it on the news. I mean, everything, everything shut down. The wind made it even colder, like negative 50 degrees with the wind chill, so that there was no school, there was no mail, uh, the, the, the businesses shut down. I mean, you couldn't go outside. There was all these, it was a state of emergency. If you went outside for five minutes, you would get hypothermia or whatever. I mean, it was just, there was nothing, and, and this is the point. They were in the midst of this terrible storm, and there was nothing that the people could do about it. There was no way to change the weather. There's no way to warm it up. When the storm is like that, the only thing you can do is try to survive. So so when these storms come, this bitter cold or the blizzards or the whatever storm, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the avalanches, the forest fires, the tsunamis, the earthquakes, in whatever form the storms like, the real actual storms come, they remind us how small we are. And they remind us that we can't, that we can't change these sort of things, that we can't do anything about it. We just can hide and hope for our lives, try to make it through. And I think it's good for us to remember this. I mean, 
our own human pride, you, you, you know this of yourself and you know this of our culture especially, our own, our own human pride always wants to think that we're safe. Like in the great battle of man versus nature, that humanity has triumphed. We've won. But these storms remind us, not so fast. And that storms, actual storms will come. And if they catch you, that's it. That's what happened to the disciples. It was not a storm of life. It was a storm of the ocean. And it came upon them all of a sudden. And the sea is in a fury. And they're convinced that they're going to die. And they're powerless. This is the, they are powerless to do anything about it. They can row against the waves. They can bring the sails in. They can, they, they, they can struggle against it. But when it comes down to it, they cannot save themselves. They can't even keep their own bodies alive. But Jesus can. Jesus can calm the storm. He can rebuke the sea. He can say to the waves, quiet down. And they listen to him. Now that's impressive. It should be impressive for us. It was impressive for the disciples. And what this means is that, that if you're with Jesus, you should not be afraid of the storms. Jesus can end them. And if the storm is still going, it's because Jesus wants the storm to be going. He can stop the rain, the floods, the terror, the creation trying to consume you. Now, I suppose we can apply this to all the troubles that we have in our lives, all the things that distress us, and most especially all of the things that come to us and tempt us to be afraid. I mean, after all, that's what Jesus asks the disciples. He says to them, why are you afraid? And that's, that's a good question for us to think about. Why are you afraid? There's something fundamental to our humanity and our fears. I mean, and it's been this way since the fall. You remember how it was when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and all of a sudden they were afraid. They were afraid of their own shame and nakedness. They were afraid of the sound of God walking in the garden. And they should be, because Adam and Eve had wrecked the universe, and they deserved God's wrath. God had become fearful to them because of their sins, and so do we. We should be afraid of God because of our sin. But that fear of God starts to spread itself around and we start to become afraid of other things. In fact, in the end, we become afraid of everything. So what are you afraid of? Afraid of pain? Afraid of loss? Afraid of loneliness? Afraid of failure? Afraid of seeing an angel face to face? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, we're... We're just about afraid of everything. And this is, is, is amplified with a bad conscience. You know that this is one of the effects of a bad conscience. It makes us afraid of the world. We run away, This is how Moses says it. That they will be so afraid that they'll run away at the sound of the wind blowing a leaf. Now the reason this is important is because fear is a form of worship. Stick, stick with me a little bit on this one, because it's important for us to know. When we fear something, we exalt that thing. We lift it up in our minds and our hearts. We esteem it. 
so that when we are afraid of something, we, we lift that thing up and we let it instruct us. In fact, our fears, the things that we're afraid of, preach to us. The things that we're afraid of tell us what to do. The things that we're afraid of tell us how to feel. That's why fear is so important to our understanding the first commandment. Remember? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So that one of the ways that we can locate the idols that are creeping into our own hearts is simply by asking, asking the question, what are you afraid of? I think I told you guys the story how I went and I was walking around videoing people on the street and I was asking them this question. What do you love? What do you fear? What do you trust? And everyone was giving the answers to the questions. And one of the interesting things was when you asked, what do you love? Everybody gave the same answer. We love our family. When you ask, what do you trust? Everyone gave almost the same answer. They said something like, I don't trust nobody. <laughs> that might have been because I was on Colfax, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but when you ask about the fears, you start to see what's in a person's heart. It's really interesting. So that one guy said, I'm afraid of being broke. One guy said, I'm afraid of going to jail. And the guy next to him said, I'm afraid of going back to jail. <laughs> one guy said, I'm afraid of being a failure. He was I, I've told you guys this. He was telling me the story of how he was at, just at his father's funeral. And nobody came to his father's funeral. And nobody who was there, just the family, had anything good to say about his own father. In fact, he said, I couldn't even say anything good about my father. And he says, I'm afraid of dying like that. Whew. And this is, you see how your, how your fears, the things that you're afraid of, they shape us, they mold us, they make us. So that when we, when we ask ourselves what we're afraid of, it's holding up the law, the, the mirror of God's law to see into our own heart and to see what we worship, what we exalt. And the most dangerous of the fears is the fear of death. Hebrews 2, remember, reminds us that the devil can hold us in bondage through the fear of death. So, so that Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says that Jesus took on our flesh and blood so that through his death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So that the, if you get it, the fear of death puts you in bondage. Now how does this work? And how does death lock us up in chains? It's something like this. We can see it with the martyrs. Uh, the devil would find some Christian, and he would arrest them and throw them in prison, and he would bring this Christian before the proconsul. These are the martyrs. And he would say to the Christian, he would say, okay, you have two choices. You can either renounce Christ and live, or confess Christ and die. You can come and offer a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord, or you can be burned or cut open or beaten or thrown to the beasts. Those are your two options. And you see that many, many of the Christians, in fact, went and offered the incense to Caesar and confessed that Caesar is Lord against their own conscience. Why? Why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid of the mouth of the lion. They were afraid of the whip and the club. They were afraid of the flames. They were afraid of death. So the fear of death 
is used against the Christian by the devil to manipulate, to fight against our own faith and our own confession of Christ. Now, that's an extreme case, but it illustrates the point that the fear of death exalts death. It gives, it gives authority of death so that we think that death is the most important thing to avoid, and, and in the avoiding of death, we put ourselves in bondage to the devil. We open ourselves up to his manipulation. So, we have to ask the question, what are you afraid of? Now, Jesus gives some really clear instructions on this in Matthew 10. Here's what Jesus says. Do not fear them which can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Matthew 10:38. So Jesus says, don't be afraid of the thing or the one that can destroy your body. Now, what is that? And what destroys your body? Famine? Pain? Hunger? Some guy with a rock? Sickness? Poverty? Death itself? The devil? Who knows? All these things can crush our our bodies and destroy our bodies, but that's not who we are to fear. We are to fear, says Jesus, the one who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. In other words, you are to fear the one who will judge you on the last day. That is, you are to fear God. And God alone. So here's the picture, if you can see it in your imagination. Just imagine that you're standing next to God, And there in front of you is a line of all the things that want you to worship them by being afraid. Remember how this goes? Here's the line of things, and they walk up, and they come and jump out at you, try to scare you. So here's sickness to the front of the line. Sickness says, I think you should be afraid of me. And we say, oh, you are kind of scary looking. Yeah, you you are a little bit frightful. Maybe I I will fear you. And we look at God and we say, should... Should we be afraid of sickness? And he says, nope, me. You should fear me. So we say to sickness, sorry, you don't get the job. (laughs) And then here comes the next thing in line. What's it going to be? Got to have surgery this week. Should we be afraid? The Lord says, no, Fear, fear me. Or here comes death. I mean, I don't know how death looks in your own mind. If death is standing in front of you and it's all all this kind of stinking black hideousness of the grave and and death stands there and tries to say, hey, you you should be afraid of me. We say, yeah, that makes sense, death. (laughs) Probably should be afraid of you. Yeah, I think I might be afraid of you. Let me just check with God. And we say, should we should we be afraid of death? Be afraid of me. Or we're on the boat with the disciples and the storms start to cover the boat and we're going to drown. And the waves say, hey, you should be afraid of us. And we say, that's a good idea. And we look over and God says, no, fear me. And here at last, you know, you know who, who wants to be in that line and stand there in front of you to, to tempt you to be afraid of Here comes the devil himself. 
And he stands right in front of you. And he says, I am the most fearful thing you've ever seen. I am the thing that deserves your fear above all other things. You should be afraid of me. And he growls like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And he says, you should really, really be afraid. And so we look to the Lord and we say, I'm, I think I want to be afraid of this guy. Should I? No. Fear me. Do not be afraid of them who can destroy your body. But fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Now, now the really quite wonderful thing is, after all of these things that have, that have come in this line, applying for the job of the most fearful thing for you, after, all, after they've all been sent away, and you haven't hired any of them, and they've, all, and, they, and they've all left, and now there's nobody in line, and so finally we turn to God and we say, well, look, there's nobody to fear except for, except for you. There's no, one, there's no one to fear. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of except for you, so that God gets our fear. You at last, O oh Lord, are the one who judges us. We'll stand before you on the last day, and that is a fearful thing to us. So, you've got the job. I'm afraid of you. And finally, at last, when all other fear has been cast out and God alone is left, he turns to us and he says, don't be afraid. That I also am nothing to be afraid of. He says, look, here's my son on the cross for you, that, he, that Jesus died for you, that he gave his life, that he bled for you, that he, he suffered all for you. Then if, I, if I'm going to give my son Jesus for you, how am I also not together with him going to give you all other things? If my love, if my love for you is such that I'm going to, that, that my only, my, my only begotten son, my, my most precious thing of all, I'm going to give over to, to sin and to death and, and suffering and forsakenness for your forgiveness, then what is, what, what is there to be afraid of? So that you will stand before the Lord on the last day. You, dear saints, will stand before the Lord on the last day. And your knees will be trembling. And your, and your breath will be light and you will te- be tempted to be afraid and the Lord will look at you with kindness and he will say, do not be afraid. Your sins are forgiven. There's a place for you here. I am, I am your Savior. I'm your God. I'm your friend. I'm your heavenly Father. So that at last, perfect love casts out fear. Now, it's, it sounds nice, I think, to not at last be afraid of anything at all. <laughs> but you say, Pastor, this is almost impossible. Every day I'm filled with fear. Every day death frightens me. Every day the death of my loved ones frightens me. Every day my own weakness and pain frightens me. So what am I supposed to do? If perfect love casts out fear, why am I so afraid? And this, dear saints, I want you to know that Jesus answers in the text. Because in fact, Jesus says to the disciples, he doesn't say, what are you afraid of? Although I suppose he could have, but it was kind of obvious. I mean, they were afraid of the waves. He doesn't ask that question, what are you afraid of? He asks the question of them, why are you afraid? And then he answers his own question. Oh, you of little faith. 
faith and fear fight against each other. Faith comes into the heart and pushes fear out. And fear comes into the heart and pushes against faith. And this fight back and forth between faith and fear will be your whole life. And mine too. In fact, in fact, you remember Philip Melanchthon, the Lutheran theologian? He defines worship in this way. Worship is faith fighting fear. So that all the time, this line never ends. There's all of these things that are coming to us to stand before us, to tempt us to be afraid. Sometimes we recognize them, sometimes we don't. But what do we do? We stand on the Word of God, which tells us that God is our Savior, that heaven is open, that death is destroyed, that the devil flees from us if we resist him, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We stand on these promises of God, that our sins are forgiven, that we've passed from death to life. We stand on His assurances that He is with us all the time, that He is with us in the boat. So that even when the storms come, the fearful things come, we do not need to be afraid. Christ has us. Christ has you. Jesus holds you in his hands that were nailed to the cross for you. And because this is true, there is nothing to fear. He will be with us always, even to the end of the age. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will stand alongside of us. And He will at last bring us through this veil of tears to be with Himself in heaven. That, dear friends, is the confidence of faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.